Hi, good evening. This is uh, Gracie with Self-Care with Gracie. And I'm here on the podcast, and what I'm doing is I'm bringing in one of the, the calls that I do for my continuity six-month program of, of self-care coaching. And the, the theme for the call tonight is on zero-waste lifestyle. I got into zero-waste lifestyle a, a couple of years ago. I, I read an article on Martha Stewart's Living about a woman named B. Johnson, who is a French woman, but she lives in the United States with her husband and two sons. And, and I heard that they throw away like a jar full of trash for every single year. And I was really intrigued when I read this. Like I had been interested in simplicity before, and, but I never had heard that it could be such an extreme way of life. And, and so I, I went onto her website and I got her book and I started to read it and I realized that like not only was it really, you know, admirable what she was doing for the earth, but also it was really beautiful the way that she was living her life. And she was, by consuming less, she was providing a lot more space for actual human connection and for less stressful lifestyle and a healthier lifestyle. So as I was building the, the, the continuity program that I do after my 10-week program, which is really about getting your body in order and making sure that all the, the bodily systems are running and that you're you know, balancing your nervous system, getting good sleep and, and nourishing yourself, and I realized that afterwards that what would naturally follow would be a program that would teach you how to live your life in a way that was also beautiful. And um, for those of you who don't know, that I, I call my coaching programs Beautiful Life Self-Care because I think that that's really the goal, that when we're taking care of ourselves and we're able to have a beautiful life and that, um, that really when we're taking care of the earth and taking care of our environment around us, even just in our home, um, that we get to have a beautiful life in that way too. So it's, it's a hard practice, I'll say. I'm curious to hear what Barclay and what Manuela, what you both think of this. But I, I find it to be very challenging because the culture around us can, uh, is very anti-zero waste. It's, uh, for a long time, it's been on, like, consume as much as you possibly can and then doesn't matter what you waste. But I think that things are starting to realign right now as we realize that we can't go on consuming in the same way. And so I'm excited to get into conversation with you all and hear, you know, your vision for what zero waste could be and also any practical tips and suggestions of how we can start to do this on a more daily basis and, and work with modern culture and, in a way that we can also change modern culture. So I will introduce um, you first. Um, Arcre is um, a, the owner of this really beautiful place in Whistler called Brew Creek Center. And, and I went there for a conference in September I had no idea what to expect, but Whistler in and of itself is just gorgeous. And then I took this winding taxi ride through the woods and, and came upon this beautiful center where it just it felt like from the moment I walked onto the property, like, wow, everything is just like really well taken care of here. And I went into my room, and I, I saw that on the little sheet that, they, that they're committed to zero-waste lifestyle. So I, like, had, a, like, a teary moment because I feel like most of the times in hotels there's just so much, like, consumption and little plastic bottles and... Um, and so I got intrigued, and, and um, I wanted to know more about how how it happened. So I contacted Barclay, and we had a great chat. And he's um, he's been working for over 50 years on developing and leading emerging technology companies, and, and now he's really focusing all of that into how to make a zero waste business sustainable here. So I'm excited to talk to you about that, Barclay. And and then we also have on the line um, Manuela Barron, and um, she is a student in um, Florida, a college student who, after traveling around the world, really realized that, uh, that she didn't want a plastic-based lifestyle. And so instead of just like having that desire, uh, she's acting on it, and she started a website called The Girl Gone Green, which is a great Instagram feed, which is how I met her. And she's very committed to living on a daily basis a more zero-waste lifestyle. She just recently gave a TEDx talk on zero waste, and I'm, I'm very excited to hear about that, Manuela, as well. So what I'm going to do is unmute you both, and, and then we can begin the conversation. So hi, guys. Hello, Hello. this is Barclay. Hi, <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for taking the time to, to speak with us and to be on the podcast. Thank well, you so much you. for I'm having us. Yeah. <laughs> My pleasure. All right, so... Can we start with you first, Barclay? Can you can you tell uh, talk a little bit about like what what motivated you to begin a more zero waste lifestyle, and um, and and how this is factoring into your business at, at Brew Creek Center? 
Sure. Well, the Brew Creek Center is meant to be a microcosm of uh, how the world could be a better place in terms of how we treat each other and how we treat the land. And so I decided to build a model of that because Buckminster Fuller said, if you don't like the world the way it is, don't criticize it, build something better and the debate will be over. So we endeavor to tread as lightly as we can on everything we do, whether it's our lighting, our refrigeration, or our composting, uh, or our heating. Uh, and then we invite people in. It's a bit of a trick because we claim to be a, a, a conference center. We are, but people come who have no idea how this might be, and then they see this, and hopefully it will stimulate them to accelerate their thinking on how they're living and how they're treating the planet. So. It's, that's a summary of, of what it is. It's, it's, it's not a not-for-profit, but it's a social enterprise. So um, we run programs uh, also that are subsidized by the funding of the so-called commercial programs. But it, it, it's meant to demonstrate, be a working model of how we could tread very much lighter on the planet. Wow, that's amazing. And it, well, it's so cool to me because, it, one, it, it, I, I really do believe in, like, businesses being able to earn money, you know, around some of these uh, philosophies because they're valuable philosophies, and so I think they should be valued in currency as well as in just, you know, attention. And, and great because you have so many people who are coming to you because it's a beautiful retreat center and not because they're necessarily looking to learn about zero waste, but they, that they get that education because they're in a beautiful place and they can start to feel that for themselves like... So I kind of feel like it's like a complete ecosystem within Brew Creek, and that's what I felt when I was there. I think. Yeah, it is. We make our we 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 produce our own water and purify it. We we process all of our wastewater on the site, um, and basically we compost um, or we have and we will compost everything from the kitchen on the site and back into the garden. All the lighting in in the facility, of which there's a thousand light bulbs, are all LED light bulbs, so 20% of incandescent. Uh, all of the kitchen hot water for the dishwasher is heated by the sun in a high-tech way, not in a, not in a hippie way. And um, a good many of the buildings are heated by um, what's called air source heat pumps, so they take about a third of the energy otherwise. And, um, yeah, so, so we do a lot of things like that, and then people get to see those. And to give you an idea, our main lodge, which is our dining room for up to 80 people, plus a full kitchen, plus uh, six bed-bath units on the second floor, we've reduced the consumption by 85% over the last three years without doing anything unusually spectacular. Wow. Just from like being, being more mindful about the way that, that places that you're heating it and the way that you're writing it and, and, and so on. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Cool. Well, I want to hear more about that, but I want to, I want to bring Manuela on too. So Manuela, um, can you tell us a little bit more about um, what, what it was that for you that sparked a zero waste, lifestyle and, and what made you really not even just be interested in it, but what made you like take so much action in it? Because um, I really feel like this is what you're focusing your timing, your attention on, which I'm really inspired by. Yeah, like you said earlier, uh, I started traveling a lot. I actually went to about 20 countries in one year. And when I was there, I started noticing the effects of litter and pollution. Uh, when I was in France, they shut down a lot of the, the cars because there was so much pollution going on in one day. And all of this really made me realize, wow, we are, we are obsessed with consumerism. And one of the big things that I learned from living in Paris was that you didn't need that much stuff. They're very minimalistic. You live in tiny apartments. And so I reduced a lot of what I had and became more minimalistic, and that really clicked that you did not need everything that you know, our consumeristic world tells you you need. And then that's when I really started to eliminate plastic and just really analyze what I needed in my life. And then I found really the zero waste movement and not using plastic. And that's kind of how it started. Wow. And, and well, what made you stick with it? Because I, I understand how it starts because I feel like that's something to me. Like I'm like, I felt it and I was like, oh, this is amazing. But I, I find it is really, it, is, it takes a lot of discipline, I think, to stick with a lifestyle like that. Do you find that it takes discipline for you? It does. Um, at first, it was an addiction. I felt that um, I, I, was, I wanted everything in my life to be plastic-free, and, and I became addicted. And then later, it became actually my Instagram and being able to find such a supportive community online that was doing this, and it motivated me to keep going and talking about it. Uh, now... 
after my TED Talk, and I've, I've given a lot of talks around uh, the city, that now people start to recognize me. And I can't be seen carrying a styrofoam box. So uh, people will stop me in the bathroom. And so, you know, you can't take the paper towel because they know you. So, I mean, that has motivated me a lot. But really, I'm just, a lot of it comes from, yeah, it's, it's just discipline and, and kind of getting used to it. But it is hard. It is hard. And everyone makes, makes mistakes. I've definitely made mistakes and have ended up with plastic straws. But it's doable. <laughs> Yeah, well, I can relate to that just because I, I teach programs on self-care, and I, I really, it's interesting when they're, because like, I'm a human being, I have impulses to do things that are not good for me sometimes, and when I when I think sometimes about, like, you know, being being out in the community and seen for not taking care of myself, it makes me think twice, too, so there there is something to be said for accountability in this way, to, like, I think if we, like, put ourselves out there in a way that, um, that the people that we are known and people look up to us for this. Like, I, I think it does help on a personal level for us to, like, actually have to live up to that <laughs> expectation as well. Yeah, it becomes the extra push that we all need. <laughs> yeah. Well, Obarkway, I'm interested, like, when you were developing Brew Creek, did you get pushback from other people who, who told you that it was, like, not, not a good way to, like, you know, run a business at all? I didn't get pushback so much as I got indifference, I think. Um, when I talked to people ab about it uh, in the earlier stages, and then what I found over time is if, if you persist with it, it starts to resonate for most of us. And I think that one of the, um, one of the keys for us was to, to uh, be persistent in spite of the fact that it wasn't getting the kind of traction I thought it would as soon as it did. Because having been in the, in the startup business in the high-tech world as a younger person, I found out that disruptive things, and this is truly disruptive lifestyle, they take longer to, to, to get traction, and then they go faster than you ever thought. And uh, I think where we are today, not to get off the question, is I think we're, we're starting to get some very good traction, certainly in Canada where I am, uh, and, and people who... who who didn't talk about climate change uh, two years ago, now talk about it. I did a survey at the grocery store where I've taken my own bags for about five years, and I asked the checkout person how many people bring their bags in uh, at this time, and he said, well, more than half. And I said, how many did three years ago? I said, oh, maybe, maybe 5%. Um, so, so I think it's got some traction now, and I think if you surround yourself with people that are up to the same thing, I think it's much easier to build from there. Yeah. Well, and, and also just, you know, the same way you're talking with Manuela, that, like, it sounds like you're really, like, probably a, a leader in this movement there, that, like, you're, you're like, maybe a, a little bit ahead of the times, and now it's changing, but you've been, you've been having to kind of anchor the movement in, in some ways. Um, well, and the irony of that is actually as a, as a, as a business, we have a competitive advantage today and a, and a strong differentiator because when we tell people that are considering our place for a, a wedding or for a conference what our green initiatives are, it immediately adds to the conversation in a way that my competitors aren't able to do. And so if, I can, say, if I can say to a, a bride and groom, if you have your... If you have your wedding and your event at my place, then I can guarantee you that your footprint will be the lightest you could be any place you could go around here. That's a significant selling point. And I could totally see that. This was, it was my first time in Vancouver, too, when I was out there. And I, I was, like, walking. I forget what neighborhood I was in, but I walked into a zero-waste store, which I, I had a moment, too, where I was like, I can't believe I'm in a zero-waste store. And every other store I've been into in this little strip, like, it wasn't that crowded. And this one, it was, like, so crowded that I, I couldn't even walk around in it. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, whoa, this is, I mean, and we're, we're behind the times. Like, we, don't, we have a couple of zero-waste kind of bulk stores, not zero-waste, but just more bulk-focused stores in, in B.C., but we're nowhere near having, like, a store that would be able to be supported by the movement, I don't think, at this point. So I just feel like in Vancouver that that would actually be like a big selling point that I could see because the culture feels very like attuned to that. Mm-hmm. But I think people even that maybe not, not maybe totally up to speed on it, I, I, there's certainly nothing negative in it, let's say. Yeah. But it's, but it's interesting because I, I, I feel like sometimes people do get kind of like 
um, defensive about it, maybe. Like, have you ever seen the movie? It's called Zero Waste Man or Zero Waste... Um, no Impact Man, that's what it's called. It's a documentary or heard of that, either of you guys? Yes. No, I have not. It's, well, it's about this guy who's a journalist and he decides for a year that him and his family are not going to consume anything, you know, or they're not going to, like, throw anything away. Basically, everything they're going to consume, they, they bring their own things and they don't ride in cars and they don't use heat. Um, and he they did an article in the New York Times and it got, like, tons of hate mail. Like, people got really, really angry about it. And that was, it was really surprising to me when I was watching because I was more inspired. But I, I, I wonder what that is in us that, that there are people that really are kind of actively against this. Um, and then well, I, I think that is because they believe they have to give up something in their, in their lifestyle to do that. And one of our philosophies is that we won't give up anything. We will have warm rooms. We'll have, we'll have lots of good lighting. We'll have um, great hot water. But there, are, there is enough technology out there right now, and it's ever-expanding, that we can have both. We can have all the things we're used to, um, and uh, we, we, can, we can reduce our footprint, our carbon footprint, hugely, and every day that becomes more so. I think that's a really, it's a really good point. I think people do think they probably, they, there's like a more fear-based vision of life of having to do without, mm-hmm. and like... That's why, like, your model that you can do it and you can have a competitive advantage. And, and I can attest that, like, the lighting was really nice in your place. And I'm very sensitive to, like, fluorescent lighting. Like, I really don't like the green. And I never, I never noticed that at all. And, and you're, I, I, I didn't have at all a feeling that, like, I'm being deprived when I was at Brew Creek. So from my personal experience, that's very true. Well, that's nice to hear because we try to do that. Well, Manuela, do you feel like you ever get pushback from people who get, like, upset about it at all? Oh, I have people always, um, you know, being really curious, but in a kind of negative way. They're like, why aren't you using plastic? Uh, Are you too good for us? Like, I definitely get a lot of hate um, from a lot of people, but... Ultimately, I think it's, it's starting a conversation with, with everyone and really giving impact. Um, when I gave my TED Talk, one of the organizers during one of the rehearsals came up to me and asked me, you know, I know that trash is bad, but I don't know why. And it really hit me like, okay, I really need to address that in my speech and, and comment on, you know, with a growing population and an increase in consumerism, not only are we running out of space to put all this trash, but it, it's not, a, you know, this plastic is harmful to us, and then it's, it's, it's destroying our envi- or the environment and the marine life. I, you know, I think a lot of people, it's, it's important to give education to people, and it's not that everyone's afraid of change, but more that people are comfortable with convenience, and so I think we just need to teach people how to, how to really change and that it's doable to go back to plastic, I mean, without plastic. I mean, if you think about it, our grandparents didn't use plastic, our great-grandparents well, and they survived. So it's not, it's not changing the wheel. It's not creating the wheel. It's, it's just reverting back to something we already had. But Yeah. <laughs> it, it makes me think about this story when I was working. Um, like I just lived in the Peace Corps because I lived in a really small town in Peru where, um, like a village where people, I mean, this, there's, there's not a whole lot to consume. People kind of go down to the market and buy their stuff and cook it all and there's no food mm-hmm. waste. They give it to the animals. And, and I just was really used to this way of life where I just wasn't consuming a lot. And I, and I came back to the States and it's really struck me just like how much consumption, how much we were throwing away. And I, I started a job and I, I went into the orientation. I was with the human resources person and uh and she was like oh we have this great coffee maker and it was one of those like caring coffee makers which yeah. first of all like, oh those just waste wise was like and the coffee's Awful. not even good I just cringe no but then she, she pulls out this like huge styrofoam cup and I, and I was like oh I was like or you could bring your own cup from home and she was like oh she's like I never thought of that before and then when yeah. I did like down the road do my exit interview with her when I was leaving she was like, well, I will always remember you because you're the one who inspired me to bring my own cup in. I've always done it since then. And I was like, whoa, it was just like, I think in my mind, I think people think about this stuff, you know, and it's like people they don't. maybe don't even consider it. No, they don't at all. Uh, today I was out to lunch, and we were going to eat there. So I said, yeah, I'll have my meal for here. Um, 
And the person I was with, I accidentally ordered it to go. And it came in a styrofoam box, and he just didn't think anything of it. He's like, oh, I'll just take the remainder home. I don't know. He didn't think anything. And that's when I mentioned I'm like, yeah, well, I, I made sure to specify for here because I'm going to eat out of that plastic con- or that styrofoam container, and then it's just going to end, end up in a landfill. And he didn't use it. He didn't even take it anywhere. It just sat there, and it could have easily used a plate. And I don't think he had thought about it that way. He had just thought, it, oh, I have to throw this away. But he didn't think of the impact something has. Um, I, I often get asked um, if you stop being so consumeristic and we take on your waste lifestyle. One of the biggest questions I get is how will this affect the economy? If we're not constantly buying things, uh, it's something I, my mom has asked me. Everyone keeps asking, well, if we're not consumeristic and keep buying and buying and buying, how will the world go around? And, and really, it's, just, it's the opposite. It's, it's just changing what we're buying. We're still consuming and we're still buying, just we're consuming smartly. We're consuming only certain things and what we need. And we buy more services and, and other things. Lynn, it sounds like, we, you know, we can, I think it's such a good point. It's like, are we buying things that are like valuing our world? Or are we buying things that are like devaluing our world? And and like that's the power that we have is really like as consumers and as business owners as well. I love I love what you're saying, Barclay, about this that that this is actually giving you a competitive edge. That it's like we can start to infuse these values into our into our products. And and it's, it's this philosophy I have. I I really see like business and spirituality being very connected. And that like yeah. I think that what what we're all looking for in this world is like love and acceptance and community and feeling connected to the, the world around us. And like even if we're not aware of it, I think that's really what we're looking for. And so we we but we can't sell those things. You know, they're not very <laughs> tangible. But we need to, you know, we need to do work in the marketplace. You know, that's that's part of what we need to do. And so we need to create products that, like, really give us these values and, or create services that give these values. And so, like, when I went to Brew Creek, it was like I, when I left, I felt so, like, you know, full and, 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 like, infused by the beauty of that place and the spirit of that place. And they have um, this really incredible, like, meditation room. It's the Zendo. Is that what you call it, Barclay? That's correct, yep. Oh, it's just this like pristinely beautiful like um, Zen meditation space, and you know the the experience of sitting in there and having meditation in there was like it was something that you could not buy or sell, but like yet in the commerce world of like something, it's like it, it just that you put your energy into like that versus like you know something that would just be to like a more consumeristic focus. To me, just really speaks of like a, like another value that you're really trying to impart to people more so than like any anything on the surface. Um, does that does that resonate with you, Barclay, in terms of like how you think about what the experience is like at, at Brew Creek? It is, and I think that, that um, I think we spoke a minute ago about this issue of how does the economy fare if we don't consume. And my my view on that is is that a, uh, expanding consumptive economy can no longer be supported by the planet. There's too many of us. We use too much stuff and throw it away in the landfill and throw too much carbon in the air. So the idea that we could actually have growth, as, as we talk about, the economy's got to grow, 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 that's over. And if we think it's not over, we just need to go and check on a few things, like why all the fish in the sea are full of plastic bits from the synthetic clothes that we wear, wash, and dump the water in the sea. So if my mother asked me uh, what happens to the economy, say, Mom, it's over anyway. If we don't change, we disappear. And I've got, I've got um, two grandchildren, and I hate that idea, but it's true. The only reason I do this is I believe strongly if we don't do it, we're not going to be here anyway. And I, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's outrageous to say that. I believe it's true. And I, I, when, when I see, uh, whether it's in America or Canada or someplace else, or, or the East, we've got to grow, we've got to have, we've got to have inflation, we've got, to, we've got to buy and use more. Well, I'm sorry, folks. No place left to dump it. Do you do you ever? I mean, I completely agree, and I'm curious. Like, do you ever? Do you ever feel either of you? Do you ever feel pessimistic about like our chances? And because it to me, I like I love the movement, and then there are times where I'm just like, wow, but there's so many people who are so not on board with this. Like, do you 
how do you deal with like the that reality too? I feel that way all the time. <laughs> um, you have to be a bit positive, and I like to. I don't like it to get me down, um, but it is. It's true. Uh, so many of the people that are in my life and that I'm surrounded by, despite how many times I've told them about my movement, despite my talk, despite everything, they'll still show up to my apartment with a plastic water bottle. And and it kills me. Every time I see it, it hurts. But I, I do, I don't think, I think it's going to have to be a really gradual change or something enforced by like, a greater authority. Uh, I know San Francisco's banning a lot of plastic water bottles. They're doing a lot, and it is, it is making change. But it, it's really going to have to start by changing people's habits. And I think we won't see it in our personal generation. I think it'll have to be something when we're younger. I know that when I was little, I, I was taught in school to check the fire detector, and then I went home and told my parents that we had to check the fire de- 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 detector. And I think it's something that, like, like your, uh, I think Barclay said that grandchildren or grandchildren are probably happy to fix it for us. But it is, it's just starting. Um, but it is very pessimistic. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that there's something cool about, you know, kids that I do think kids have, like, a very innate sense of justice and a very deep natural connection to the environment. Like, I, I felt both of those things. I remember when I was, like, uh, like second grade or something, I wrote letters to McDonald's saying that I didn't like that they used styrofoam. Like this was something that was important <laughs> to me. And I then I totally that. forgot about it, you know, and I went and, you know, yeah. used styrofoam and didn't think about it for years uh, until I really yeah. I went to Peru and, and lived there and saw the lifestyle. It's, um, right. So it's, I, it makes me think that, like, if we could catch kids earlier and really, you know, keep that instead of losing it, that it might be easier in some ways. Um, Barclay, do you notice with your grandchildren, are they, do they, you know, take to this and believe in it too, or do you ever talk to them about it? Well, um, my, <clears throat> my daughter is, um, is, is probably more conscious in this area than I am. So they have a, they have a, from the get go experience that, that we don't, we don't do. So, so they, they're 12 and nine, they've never been to McDonald's. So it's not a case of what McDonald's produces. You, we, you don't go there. Um, and so I think I think some of what you said is true. I think the children are where it's got to start. But you know, <clears throat> just in terms of technologies, if <clears throat> excuse me, if, if you presuppose that you cannot do anything because it's going to impact your lifestyle or it's going to impact the economy, then I think that's what you've got to look at. And I uh, just use a small example. I've used um, a thermos metal. Uh, cup for my coffee when I go out for coffee I've carried it with me for 20 years and I get a coffee every morning uh, and if you just add up the number of plastic lids uh, and even the paper of uh, uh, the trees that were used to make those coffee cups for myself just myself for 20 years and you multiply by all the people you see coming out of Starbucks with a plastic lid on a paper cup and that's not hard. I don't, I don't give up anything to do that, and I feel better about it. So I think it's really a case of, of um, just doing what you do, and, and, people, and people notice. Uh, and I think it's, it's going to come exponentially. I don't think it's going to be slow. I think it's going to come quickly. I don't know if it's going to come quickly enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know either. But I like I like it. I like just I like thinking about you carrying your coffee cup for twenty years, and then that <laughs> as opposed to like the trail of plastic cups that would be left behind you. And I, and I I've gotten into you know arguments with my brother even before where I'm like he's like what does it really matter one more plastic bag? And I'm like I know, but I just can't live my life as being part of the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just I, you know for my own selfish sense of you know feeling good about this, my life in this world. So I, I, I admire you for doing that. And both of you, I admire you both so much for, for being leaders in this. Um, and know, I know that it inspires people, but it's, yeah, the question is how many. Um, so what I, what I would like to do is actually see if anyone on the line has a question or a comment so far. And you can just push star six and unmute yourself if you are on the line. 
me give us a second here. Let me see. I'm going to pull on. Okay, see, um, it's actually my mom who just. Yeah, wanted to I just talk. wanted to ask, like, how do you handle a doggy bag stuff? Like, I portions today are so big. I like to go out and eat, and I don't mind getting a big serving because I usually take half of it home with me. So, um, how do you, I mean? I could take. Well, what do you do? How do you handle that? Yeah, um, I if I know I'm going out to eat. Uh, I will always carry, it's actually a Tupperware I've had for a couple years. It is, I think it's silicone, um, but it, it folds down, and it's just a Tupperware that I can keep in my purse. It barely weighs anything, and I'll take that, or I'll bring a mason jar anywhere. Um, I do that pretty frequently because, yeah, the portions are huge, uh, but I'll just shamelessly take out my container and take the leftovers and then put it in my purse and just walk away. <laughs> Okay, that silicon container sounds, I mean, a mason jar is a big thing to put in your purse, but yeah. so the silicone, what, can you tell me more about the silicone container? Yeah, I have it for a few years. Probably nowadays I'd, I'd bring by a stainless steel one, but this one's still pretty good, which is why I haven't changed it. Um, it's a, it has two um, containers in itself, so you can separate things, so if you have one part of a meal, it could be a salad, and then another thing, it can separate um, I don't really know where I got it from, but you can probably, I mean, I, I think I probably got it from a department store or okay. the container store. <laughs> but it's very lightweight, and it just, um, it folds up, and it's pretty small. I, I think you bring up a good point, um, both of you, about the, uh, that you need gear to be zero waste. Like, it's, it's something that you have to think through ahead of time. Like, I, I find that for myself. It's like I have to, like, think through my day and be like, am I going to go grocery shopping? If so, where are my bags? Like, am I going to go out to eat? I also, I bring a, um, a Tupperware container with me. I, I still use plastic for that, but I, um, yeah, it's, I, I have it in my purse. Because um, it comes in whatever little package that is usually in plastic anyways. But I like the idea of getting, uh, like, a one that folds down. I think that's a good idea. And... And you can get produce bags, you know, that are these, like, mesh bags that you can reuse again so you don't have to use the plastic bags when you're at the store. I have, like, a bamboo set of, like, fork, spoon, and knife and chopsticks that I can – I just keep in my purse and bring around with me so I don't ever have to use, like, disposable plastic stuff. And, like, Barclay said, you can just carry around, like, a, a coffee cup thermos and you can use that for water, too, and just, like, fill it up with water fountains and – um, and I love on airplane, in a lot of airports now, they have, like, actual stations where you can fill up your water bottle, which I think air, traveling is one of the hardest things for me to be zero waste in. And so, like, anything like that, just to be able to, like, have my little kit that I'm bringing around. And, oh, I always bring a cloth napkin with me, too. Um, <laughs> would, you, would you add anything to that list, Manuela? Or? No, I think that's a pretty good list. Really being prepared and planning is, is all about zero waste. But if you are in a situation that you don't have anything, it's, it's trying to be creative and, and really figuring it out. Uh, I didn't have a Tupperware the other day, and I was able to work with what I had in my purse and what I saw around the store, and I was able to take my, uh, I think I ended up using a, a paper bag, and I had like a piece of paper. It was, you just have to be creative. And, but you can find an alternative, or if you're in a restaurant and you see that people have plastic cups, just go up to them, ask them, do you by any chance have real cups? And a lot of the times they do. They just are lazy and don't want to use them, and they'll be pretty nice about it. Uh, and just really when you get in a restaurant, I'll eye the room and say, who has plastic? Do the cups have plastic straws? And if I see plastic straws or I see plastic silverware, I'll just go ahead and order things and deliberately tell them no straw, no plastic silverware, uh, because if not, they'll just they'll just assume and give you a straw or, or put a fork in your in your food <laughs> or in sandwiches with those toothpicks. So it's just it's just being one step ahead of the game. And if, it, for me, it can feel like sometimes a little embarrassing. I don't know what was the right way to say it, but it's just like I get I get shy about pulling stuff out sometimes because I know it's going to yeah. be like. It's like <laughs> to do, but still I do it. And I go to this yoga class where this um, lovely lady brings tea at the end of every yoga class and a bunch of cups with plastic lids. And so I've started to bring my own jar to it, so I'm going to spill the jar up. And, um, and I was a little shy because I had, like left the jar in my car, and I was like, well, do I just get to 
tea in the, the plastic cup, and I was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out. So I went out of the car, and I got my jar, and I filled up my cup. And then um, it was funny, someone, a guy came up and started talking to me, and you know, was like, you know, kind of flirting and then ended up like writing me, like got my information, wrote me later being like, I just decided anyone who brought her own jar was worth getting to know. And it was like, even though we did not end up dating for that long or anything, but it was just like one of those things that like sometimes it can be the conversation starter. And like I've traveled before and brought like a jar like with me and used it and, and like people really respond and they like really want to know about this jar. And I like got into like a couple conversations around it. So I think even just like it can yeah. be a little, if you are shy, it will call more attention to you, but it, you can also be like the emissary and it might get you a date too. They are so curious. Uh, and I love it because it starts conversations. Since I started doing this, uh, every, I, I talk to so many amazing people and I inspire people to change their lives just with just a simple cup or, or no straw. I'll have waiters be like, do you come here all the time and you don't want a straw? I'm just really curious why. And I'll start the conversation and explain it. Uh, I recently found a juice bar that I really like, and they use all plastic. And it was, it was really bothering me. So I just went in and asked them, hey, can you, can you put it in my mason jar? And they seemed very skeptical because they wouldn't know exactly how much juice to give me. And I explained, well, the jar has uh, how many ounces it is. And I started befriending the people, and now they always give me more juice now because they think it's amazing what I do. Then they're filling the whole jar instead of the exact amount. And these people, they'll come in and they'll say, yeah, we're rethinking how to change our store because of what you do. And and it's amazing. It's such a conversation starter, but you really, you can meet so many people. And I don't know, that's probably one of my favorite things about living this lifestyle is is the people that you get to meet through it. Mm. Um, Did that answer your question, Mom? Yeah, great. I think that, yeah, I think that's really uh, you know think through all the equipment. Equipment that's the key there. Think through what you need wherever you're going and and be ready. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and it does. It takes a little bit of a, a startup investment when you're when you're first beginning it, but it doesn't have to. You know, it's like once you pay that money up front, and sort of, it's like what Barclay was saying. It's like once he invested to like put these like technologies into his center, like he's actually saving money and he's reducing energy. Um, well, Barclay, I have a question for you um, just in terms of, I know that you've talked about people coming to the center and then being, being affected by it. So like, how has it helped you to connect other people to share this with your, with your customers? Well, uh, a couple of things that have happened. Um, <clears throat> we have um, on, our, on our website, we, we um, highlight our many green initiatives. And uh, people actually call us as a prospective customer because of that. So it's a, it's, a, it's a great piece to have in your pocket, provided it's substantial and not just a story, uh, to differentiate, differentiate yourself in the world if that's what you want to do. I think that the, um, the, the bigger issue is what's happened for us is that we've started to attract um, like-minded organizations uh, that are on a mission to, to, um, to get to zero waste. And so they actually are starting to have their, their conventions and their meetings at, at our place. And we probably had this year, um, we had a group from Boston, from MIT. We had a group called One Earth. Um, uh, and these people, are, they're all funded by foundations and so on, but they're, they're tending to um, call us up to, to, to come our way. So in terms of it, you know, feeling embarrassed or feeling that um, you're alone on the whole thing, the more you surround yourself with people that are like-minded, then uh, all of a sudden it, it, gets a whole, it gets a whole different flavor. I love that, that, that you've become like the hub for people that, that want to talk about these issues. Like, that's, like well, yeah, we had a group in, um, in October uh, and uh, there, you know, there there was uh, thirty of them. I think their bill was probably fifty thousand dollars for the time they stayed, which was fine by us. Uh, but they said they got more done there, working in an environment where they knew that they were were um, were being less impactful um, than not. So I really think I don't know I don't know if, if how many of you in America 
know about that crazy Keystone Pipeline that um, your president vetoed a couple weeks ago, but the province that that oil was coming from in the tar sands was a horribly um, um, carbon-intensive process to extract the oil. And we just had an announcement today that the new, the new leader of the province has announced a, um, a carbon uh, reduction program all across the province that nobody ever thought would happen because these are all like, in your case, probably Texas. These are oil people, and they didn't care about that. So, you know, I, I, I'm more optimistic that um, – so I'm optimistic and encouraged by the fact that I find every time I turn around now, somebody's talking about climate change and somebody's talking about – you know, the sea level rising and, and, and so on and so forth, where that was not around five years ago. So that gives me great hope that uh, we can turn it quickly, and we need to. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I mean, I mean, oh. me, me, I mean, I'm older than I'm sure most people on this call, but I was in the wireless data business. I was in the wireless business before the cell phone in the... In the uh, in the 80s, and people told me nobody would ever want, this is before there was an application called email, nobody would ever want that. And then the Internet <laughs> came along, and all of a sudden, bingo, it, 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 and it was a disruptive thing. So if we can, count, if we can, if we can go from um, um, what we've done just with that, for example, there, we, we can use technology to, to um, I mean, we don't have, again, we don't have to give up anything. we just got to be aware of, <clears throat> what, what's available. There's a, I go to Hawaii a fair bit to vacation, um, and I am, I've got to tell you, I, am, I, 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 I tend to stay in larger homes. And I, I, the, the numbers of solar panels I see on the roofs of these homes in the last 24 months is staggeringly different than before that. That's awesome. It's smart. It's just smart all around, too, but it, it does take a change, and people... People are resistant to that normally, so it's, but it's cool to see that, that um, there are some people out there that are really focusing on it. Um, mm-hmm. Alice, I saw that you unmuted yourself. Do you want to ask a question? Yeah, if that's okay. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I love this discussion, and I'm super excited about um, moving in this direction. My question was just, it, it can be a little bit, daunting to know how to get started. And so I was curious um, if your guests had sort of their top three things to start with to kind of get yourself um, as a way to dive in because it can seem a little overwhelming. Manuela or Varkley, do either of you have a a couple topics? Uh, I would have to say the first thing is to find your motivation, to find, you know, what are your goals? Like, do you want to be completely zero waste? Are you just reducing slightly? Why are you doing this? Is it for you? Is it for just the planet? A lot of people, you just need to find what drives you, just like exercising. I feel like if if you're exercising for to look good, you have to exercise for a reason or you're going to stop doing it. So it's really just finding what, why you want to do this and just defining it. And if you want to write it down, that helps a lot. Why are you doing this? I'm doing this because of the fish that are eating plastic. I'm doing this because of the environment. I'm doing this for X, Y, Z. And then afterwards, it's choosing just one small aspect of your life and trying to just reduce that. So if you can just reduce how much food you're throwing away, uh, the average American throws away 40% of their food. So if you're meal prepping and just making sure that you're really establishing what you need at the beginning of the week and cooking with just that, that will just be one step. Or you can reduce the amount of plastic in your cosmetics, buying soap that comes unpackaged or making your own toothpaste. Just take one aspect, depending on what it is. Uh, I think for me, I started analyzing what I was throwing away. So... I stopped taking out the trash and started really just like picking through my trash. And I found that the three main things I was throwing away was packaging, food waste, and then junk. You know, the freebies you get on the street. So I started tackling each step and really trying to minimize. So I think that's, that's the easiest way to go about it. It's just to take the little steps because it is a hard and, like you said, daunting. It can be scary. And, and looking at it as, oh, my God, this is the rest of my life. 
is, is terrifying. Just do it as I want to reduce this by 20%. Because if we all reduce by 20%, it will make a huge impact. And then once you do the 20, maybe another 20% and so on. So, I mean, gradual might not be the best for the planet, but it is the easiest way to go about it. Great. Thank you. Thanks for asking, Alice. Um, well, I'm, I'm curious about food waste, um, Manuela. Like, what, do you, what did you do to reduce food waste? Because I do think that's an area where, um, well, one, it's, it's just like the way that the food breaks down when it's not able to, like, compost. It does create a lot of, like, uh, like carbon um, that's not good. Forgetting my technology, yeah. my terms here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I shop very frequently so things don't go bad. Um, and that can be hard on people. They don't have enough time. I know the last two weeks have been absolutely crazy for me. So I've been eating out mostly. Um, and I knew that. I knew it would be crazy, so I tried not to buy a ton of produce. I just brought fruit. fruit. But um, trying to buy less and more frequently, figuring out how to store things. I have seen so many people store their fruits and vegetables in the wrong way. And, and it goes by. It's like bad so much faster. Uh, so really learning, every time I buy an item, even if I know how to store it, I'll go ahead and Google it just in case. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, I haven't had an eggplant in a really long time. How do you store an eggplant? Google. And, and just making sure you are storing it in the way it's going to last the longest. And then if you see that anything might go bad, I freeze it. Almost everything I'll just say, you know, either I'll chop it up into pieces and use it in something later. I'll try to freeze it just in case. And then I do compost. I compost indoors. Um, I have a vermi compost. Uh, I think I posted my box on my Instagram. It's this wooden box. It's beautiful. I bought it off Etsy. And uh, uh, the producer of it mailed it to me without any plastic packaging, which is awesome. But I compost, but composting indoors is hard. So I try to have less things to throw away. So I'll take my food scraps and I'll actually make them into uh, a vegetable broth. I try to find different ways to use all my scraps before they end up in the compost. That way I don't even have to compost that much. But really it's planning as well. I think it's just planning is a huge part of being a zero waster. Yeah, I get that. Sorry. It's, um, yes, Ms. Margie. I'm sorry, oh, I, um, I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I think we had to do a little bit of technology stuff for a second. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, being able to like, really reduce does sound like a, a good first way. Um, we're getting a little feedback on the call. I'm not sure where that's coming from. Um, but it's, it, for me, like, I, I compost on my, on my back balcony. I have, like, a couple of big Tupperware bins, and it's not perfect. You know? Hold on one second here. Yeah, um, I can't, and and it it does actually serve the purpose for for me to break it down. I have a dream of like having a you know a house one day where I can have like a, a real compost out in the backyard and like really do the whole thing. But I, I think there are some ways to do it. For me, it helps me to like save all of my vegetable scraps in like a like a bag in my freezer or like anything yeah. that's, that's um or like or to do, use the garbage disposal. You know to like. But that, like, I, I really just have a hard time, like, throwing away, like, food trash with the rest of my trash right now because it just it feels so wrong to me. <laughs> um, so it's freezing it until I can do something with it. There, I mean, and then there are, like, services, like, in D.C. we have Compost Cab. Um, Alice, I know you're in Chapel Hill. I'm not exactly sure what, what you have in that respect as well. But, like, and a lot of, like, community gardens will start to take your compost too. But I think, like, um, the small step for me that really helps is to not worry about every single thing that I have to like how to compost that immediately, but I just like save up a big bag in my freezer along with like my, you know, vegetable scraps that I, I use just pure vegetable ones to make broth with and then, you know, compost that. So it does it, it does take a little bit of like planning ahead, but I think you, you speak really well of it too, Manuela, that like you, you need to plan ahead for this kind of stuff too. It's like you can't just like buy the same amount of food every single week when, like, some weeks you're going to eat out for four nights because some of that food is going to go bad, too. So it's, like, again, just thinking things through ahead of time. Yeah. Um, Barclay, I'm going to pull you. Barclay, can you hear me? You know, it, 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 I can't. I'm sorry. I, I, the battery went on my phone, so I had to call back on my... On my reach out for help. For, for, for okay, we're getting, we're getting, like, a little bit of feedback 
from it, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, I was I was curious about the oh, center so and, um, in your kitchen and how you met, make that work there because I know it's having like, a, a big kitchen can be hard for food waste. Yeah, well, um, the answer to that is that we had some problems you know, we, we grew out of. In other words, we, we composted organic waste from the kitchen. Uh, and we've um, we've grown a bit. I'm sorry. I, I, you're you're breaking up so much. I can't really hear you. Um, it's kind of doing an interesting thing. Um, hmm. Can you try calling back in? Yeah, I will do. I'll call right back. Okay, great. Thanks. Know that. Manuela, um, can you talk a little bit more about like what you do at the grocery store in terms of zero waste? Because I know that that can be a, a little bit of a hard territory for some people. Yeah, so I actually don't have a grocery store near me that has a bulk section. Um, it's a bit, it's not that far. It's a 20 minute drive, but primarily my life is revolves around. I'm in an urban downtown area, so I hardly ever drive. I probably drive a car once a month. Uh, I walk to work. I walk to school. I walk to the grocery store. So a lot of what I buy is produce. And I'll actually, when I do go to a bulk store, I'll buy a bit in bulk. Um, so when I go to the grocery store, I make sure that I have my own bags. Or say you forgot your grocery bags. And that's happened to me multiple times with this last minute stop by the store. I'll just make sure to just put everything back in the basket. Because if you've ever been to uh, those stores like BJ's and Sam's and Costco, they don't give you bags when you uh, buy anything. And so you just take it in the cart and put it in your car and call it a day. So I'll just do the same thing. I'll just keep it in my, grocery, in my shopping cart and then either put it in my car or in my purse or just carry things. So I always bring my bags because it's good, but if not, that's a great solution if you forgot something. You don't have to actually, you don't need the bag. Like, you don't need a bag for a sandwich. I, I see so many people get two items and they just put it in a plastic bag and they could have easily just carried it. And then I always bring my own produce bags. They're cloth bags. Uh, a few of them I made myself and a few of them were actually bought offline. And then when I buy in bulk, I bring mason jars and bulk, the same uh, produce bags that are mesh bags. And you can just buy everything from legumes to snacks in that form. So you really can eliminate a lot of packaging. I don't buy things in aluminum cans very rarely. I think the other day I bought a coconut milk that came in an aluminum can. I try to just avoid a lot of those things because they are lined with um, a lot of plastics. But, and then if you can, choose things that come in cardboard over plastic containers. But no, I mean, shopping, I think grocery shopping is probably the easiest part of being a zero waster. I think when you get into cosmetics and, and beauty aspect, I think that's a lot harder than just going to the grocery store. And the grocery store, everyone at the grocery store knows me by now. Um, the baker knows me because I bring my own bags. There are us the most ridiculous questions. Uh, the other day I asked him, um, if I were to buy cornbread, I know you make it in the morning, but they package it in plastic. Would you be able to set one aside for me? And then I pick it up later in my own container. And he just looked at me with his face, but he, he ended up doing it. I, I bought cornbread yesterday for our little Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, so it's really just getting to know the people in your grocery store. And, and you get a lot more comfortable. I know I was very awkward the first time I went to the grocery store uh, and started bringing my own produce bags. But after a while, they all know you, and it's super relaxed. Um, so just don't be afraid. Just be I love it. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, and again, just thinking about that baker guy that maybe for a moment he's like, who is this woman <laughs> who's like coming oh, in here? He, he but he did it. If I see that uh, there's a certain cashier, if I see her, I will go to her. No matter how long the line is, I will go to her because she knows exactly how I roll. She um, calls my produce bags lingerie bags because she thinks they look like lingerie bags. And, but she knows me, and she's super comfortable, and I'm comfortable around her, and it works out. Um, so, yeah, I, just, I, would, I would just get over the fear. I know a lot of people think it's weird or awkward, but yeah, I think most stores want to please you, and so they'll be willing to do the most ridiculous 
uh, <laughs> requests you may have. That's great. That's great. Okay, hold on. I'm going to try to pull Barclay on again and see how it goes. Yeah. Hi, Barclay. Can... All right, is that any better? Oh, so much better. Yes, perfect. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for calling back in. Um, so I'm, well, I'm really curious about how, what you all do in your kitchen to like keep waste down as well, because I, I think cooking for a lot of people can be really challenging sometimes too, right? Yeah, well, we we compost everything from our kitchen that's organic, and we we do it. Um, we did it with some manual composters before, and we're just in the throes of of securing an industrial composter, which is a system that's designed and built in Sweden where every night we would put in one end of it, one open up one lid and put in one end of it six to eight gallons of, of organic waste and do that every night that we're operating the kitchen. And then that goes into a chamber where it's aerated and, then, and, and churned around for two weeks. And then it goes in the second chamber. And uh, five days later, out the other end comes compost. And that compost goes in the garden, in the flower gardens. Five days later, it takes five days for it to all break down. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, five days, five, days, five days once it goes in the second chamber. The point is that we do not put any organic waste um, in, in our garbage and that that waste is composted and, and, uh, and we, we don't use it in our vegetable gardens, but we use it in all of our flower gardens. So it goes right back to the earth. And I can attest that your flower gardens are very beautiful. Like whatever you're doing there is working really, really well. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why, yeah. Cool. And I know that you do also do, you do a lot of local food um, sourcing there, and you, um, you sent me these pictures of these, like, incredible, it's called a geodome where you use to grow your own food there? It's a geodesic growing dome. It's a greenhouse. Um, and we're in a climate where you cannot grow all year round outside, and our goal is to produce all of the uh, vegetables and salad greens that would be used throughout the year uh, on our own property. And we're probably, I don't know, we're probably a third of the way there now. And the Growing Dome is a design out of um, Colorado that was designed to be able to grow uh, produce in the dead of winter at minus 20 degrees in the, in the mountains of Colorado. It was funded by the John Denver Foundation, and uh, we, uh, we have one of their 50-foot diameter um, growing domes on our property. We'll probably add a second one uh, in, in, a, in another couple of years. And to give you an idea, uh, you, you can grow year-round in minus 20 degrees uh, in, in the daytime if you've got sunshine with a growing dome. Wow. Wow. I just had this vision of, like, what it would be like in the future if every house had a growing dome, you know, all year round we could all grow the majority of our own food. Like, how how much less wear and tear on the earth that would be. And, like, a composter that we could just, like, put everything back that we're not eating back into the earth. It It feels so simple. It feels so holistic. Like, it makes me feel peaceful when I think of that. Well, you know, the growing dome came out of a conversation uh, one day in the dead of winter in front of the fireplace at the lodge where I complained that I was tired of all the plastic containers coming down the gravel road from California full of greens. And my chef said, you'll never get away from that. And I said, we will see. And so um, we we will grow all of our greens in the dead of winter where it gets dark here at 4 o'clock because we'll use LED grow lights inside the dome and we'll, we'll heat it in a very unconventional way. So it, it can be done. And at some point, you know, y- y- if you can grow everything where you are, and these, the, you should know these, these domes are, the, the smaller versions are going in, in, in schools in the U.S. I mean, a lot of schools are starting these for the kids. So we talked about the children getting some traction on this thing. They're learning how to do that firsthand as part of their curriculum. Um, and the, the company, if you ever want to look it up, is called Growing Spaces. They have a website. They, they've been doing this for a good long while. And, and these, um, you obviously can't have one of these in your apartment, but they work. That's great. And, and what makes you think, too, is the more people that buy them and have demand, the more the prices could go down and the more that, you know, the people will innovate the technology. And, again, it's like Manuela talking to your mom about the, the economy. It's like, well, this is where the economy can go. Like people who are making growing domes 
can like make money and people who are making awesome bamboo sets of cutlery can make money and people who are like really investing in like what a long-term vision of our earth can look like can make that money. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, does anyone else have a question that's on the line right now? Um, I want to leave a space for that. You can just push star six and unmute yourself. Okay, well, um, I, just, I really want to thank you both for being here. And like, what, are, what I'm really getting from this is, Barclay, I really just like get your like, visionary spirit. Like, it's, it's like, you, like, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, you don't have to get greens from, from California, but like, you can make something, like, you can make it. And like, from that innovation, like, a really thriving business is coming that can become this hub. And, and I admire you for that. And like, um, and while I, what I get from you is that, like, that, that personal is really political and that you're, like, taking this commitment on for yourself, that you're, like, in every day and every way looking to, to be more zero waste and that it's, it's inspiring and starting a movement with people around you. So I, I hope that everyone is listening right now can feel that for themselves, that, that, that like, you can, you can be that visionary and even when it gets hard and depressing and no one else really wants to join with you right away, that, like, maybe just, like, start by getting your, you know, your little takeaway container that you can bring with you. My dog in the background there. Um, so I just want to thank you both for taking your time, and I hope that, I hope that everyone who listens can just start somewhere, you know, and just start even just holding that vision of what a more zero-waste world could look like. And, um, and thank you both for what you're, what you're doing, too. I, I really admire it. No, thank you so much for having us. My yeah, thank you. Thank you also. And I would just, um, I might just finish up with, if you wanted any more uh, motivation or inspiration, there's a paperback out called 10 billion that you should buy and read because it speculates on what the planet will be like when we're 10 billion rather than 7 billion if we keep going the way we are. So it's a great read. Oh, okay, cool. 10 billion. I'll check that out. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, okay. All right, and just if you um, to get in touch with um, Barclay, um, you should check out it's it's called his web his place called the Brew Creek Center, and website is brewcreekcenter.com. And for Manuela, um, her email her website is thegirlgonegreen.com, and she has a great Instagram feed. What is your Instagram name again, the, Manuela? The same, the girl gone green. The girl gone green. Cool. So, any any last words from either of you? Sure. No, yeah. I'm on. Oh. No, you can go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Manuela. Okay. Um, no, I would I would say that uh, if you're interested in taking it on, uh, it's, it's really doable. It sounds scary, uh, and it sounds very radical. And at first, I thought, wow, I live in an apartment. Uh, I'm not. I don't have a ton of time. I'm a full-time student, and I work full-time. So it's definitely very hard, but even with a busy schedule, it's, it's just making certain choices and making conscious choices to live a greener life. And once you get used to, to it, it just becomes very habitual. Everything in your life becomes revolved around, you know, the way you want to live and the way you want the world to be. But it's not daunting anymore. It's not, oh, my God, yeah, you will have the occasional mistake or you end up with a plastic cup, but... The thing that I do in my life is to not, not let it get me down. If I make a mistake, we're all human. It happens to me all the time. Uh, I live a pretty vegetarian, vegan lifestyle. And I'll end up in a situation where yesterday I had Thanksgiving. I mean, you know, I didn't really have, I wanted to have certain things that had, like, dairy in it. And I had to say, okay, the one time, you know, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but it's, veering away from, like, the choices you're used to. So just, it's, it's a doable process, and take it on. Maybe it's an experiment, but it's a good lifestyle. I would recommend it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great. You make it sound really, you make it sound possible, which is the most important it's thing. So and, and what I hear in that is that you, like, can't be a perfectionist, you know. And we talk a lot yeah, in, in that coaching to. community around, like, how damaging being a perfectionist is to anything. Because we can't, we're human, and that like so, it's it's the same way that we you know treat our are trying to eat healthy and trying to exercise and go to bed, and you know as long as like zero waste just feels like a habit to you, then some days are better than others. But that you know, that trying to do it perfectly will probably mean that you don't do it. So do it 
imperfectly. I try to be very imperfectly zero waste. <laughs> yes. Don't let failure scare you and just go with the flow. It'll work out. Thank you both so much, and I hope everyone has a great night. And I'm going to unmute the lines right now um, and uh, so we can all say goodbye. And everyone who has been listening, um, thanks for your attention here. So I will talk to you all soon. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much. It was really interesting. Uh, a lot of food for thought. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also, write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, and remember, keep putting yourself first, and everything else will fall into place. Mm-hmm.